Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Due to copyright issues, you'll hear a message without the worship songs, but you can hear the entire service on the gfcflorida.com website, GFC Florida Facebook, or the GFC Florida YouTube channel. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Welcome Grace Family Church and those who are watching us online. We are in the third week of our series called Burning Questions. And I tell you what, uh, during this time, there sure are a lot of questions. There sure are a lot of people that are searching uh, for answers to their questions. I know for myself, we have never been in a time like this. Uh, the economic downturn, countries totally shutting down. Uh, it's way above my pay grade. It's way above my limited experience and knowledge. But see, for me, I turn to something I believe is greater and bigger. In fact, I have found great strength and comfort and peace uh, on a source that I think is the most reliable. And, and I know some of you are wondering, it's the Bible. Now, before some of you check out, because I know some are maybe skeptical of the Bible. I mean, is it really God's word? Is it really inspired? Uh, some people believe maybe that science refutes the Bible. Uh, what, what about the dinosaurs, Craig? They're, they're not mentioned in the Bible. There are a lot of contradictions in the Bible. Uh, come on, men wrote this book. It's lost its original meaning. It's just another version of the truth. It's just this collection of thoughts and ideas that can be helpful. You know, if you'll give me a few minutes, I'm going to address that. Uh, just, and I think it maybe can give us, if you will have an open heart and open mind, maybe this will be the beginning of a journey of discovering uh, the Word of God and seeing it uh, in a different way. But can you imagine though, if this Bible is the Word of God, what if God is the author of it? What if this is of supernatural origin? If it is, then it totally changes it because then we look at his truth, we look at those promises, we look at what the Bible offers us and we realize that we can hold on to hope and strength and faith because these are the very words of God that give us instructions, in fact, specific instructions in times of crisis. But let's go ahead and hit some of those preconceived thoughts and ideas some of you may have had, like, does the science refute the Bible? Watch this with us. Science and the Bible. Do they go together or do they oppose one another? As it turns out, the Bible confirms quite a few scientific discoveries that happened hundreds, even thousands of years later. Here are some examples. 1,500 years before Christ, at a time when it was believed the earth was being held by a giant or was resting on an enormous animal of some kind, the Bible talked about the earth's free float in space. The description is found in the oldest book of the Bible, Job, chapter 26, verse 7. God stretches the northern sky over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. Science would confirm this statement in the year 1650 AD, about 3,000 years later. The Bible also mentions that the earth is round. Isaiah 40:22 tells us that God sits above the circle of the earth. The Hebrew word used for circle in this verse indicates a sphere, not simply a flat or two-dimensional circle. The book of Isaiah was written sometime around 740 through 680 BC. About 300 years later, Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, theorized the earth may be round when he watched the masts of ships sink into the horizon. Another 2,000 years later, when most scientists still believed the Earth was flat, 
Christopher Columbus was inspired to travel around the earth by reading this very same scripture in Isaiah. Another biblical statement confirmed by science has to do with the paths found in the sea. Psalm 8 verse 8 talks about the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. One scientist named Matthew Morey dedicated himself to finding these paths of the sea. If God said there are paths in the seas, he wrote, I'm going to find them. His discovery was the warm and cold continental currents. Now considered the father of oceanography, Matthew Morey and his book on oceanography remain a basic text on the subject still used in universities. There are many more of these examples that beg to be noted and studied, including sanitization through running water, the storing of information in our blood, and communication through light and radio waves. Though science and the Bible may seem to be at odds, they may be more compatible than originally thought. You know, another question we hear a lot is, what about the dinosaurs? I mean, the dinosaurs, they're not mentioned in the Bible. Well, actually, the reason dinosaurs aren't mentioned is because in 1841 is when they started using the term dinosaur. Now, the Bible's written thousands of years earlier, so it could have never possibly used that term. But in Job, it does talk about these giant creatures. If you'll read with me in Job chapter 40, take a look at the behemoth which I made, just as I made you. It eats grass like an ox. See its powerful loins and the muscles of its belly. Its tail is as strong as a cedar. The sinews of its thighs are knit together tightly. His bones are tubes of bronze. His limbs are bars of lion, of iron. It is a prime example of God's handiwork and only its creator can threaten it. It is not disturbed by the raging river, not concerned with the swelling of the Jordan rushes around it. Can you imagine this giant beast in the middle of a river just sitting there with no, uh, not being affected by the strong currents? This is describing something very huge, very enormous. And it goes on and says, no one can catch it off guard or put a ring in its nose and lead it away. Man was no match for this creature. So again, that's just another interesting fact that if people don't dig deeper, they're not really gonna find out. And, and my whole heart in this, that maybe you would dig a little deeper, that you would go to some of the links that we're gonna offer at the end, because there are a lot of good logical reasons uh, that we can trust and believe in the reliability of the Bible. So we hope that you all would dig a little deeper. Then I started thinking about some of the prophecies. Now prophecy is simply a foretelling of a future event. The Bible is a very prophetic book. The Bible talks a lot about certain events and times and kings and nations. And it's amazing of the accuracy. But I want to specifically talk about what they say are the messianic prophecies regarding Jesus. Things that were foretold about Jesus hundreds of years before they were fulfilled. Now, why this is important is because we're talking about divine inspiration. There is no way men could have predicted it to this uh, specific accuracy. It, it would be like me today telling you that, you know, in 2,222, I'm going to predict the next president. I'm going to tell you his lineage, the family he was born in. I'm going to tell you the specific town 
he was born in. I'm going to tell you actually that he was betrayed and tell you the exact amount of money he was betrayed for. And I'm also going to tell you that he was not only assassinated, but I'm going to tell you specifically how he was assassinated. What was the manner of death? Was it poison? Was it a bullet? Was it a bomb? Well, this is the impact of these prophecies. If you'll look with me, I'm just going to give you a few. Number one, the place of birth in Micah. Again, this is hundreds of years before it was fulfilled. And Micah says, but you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. Amazing prediction. Another one, even when Jesus was buried in Isaiah, it says this, he had done no wrong, he had, de he had deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Again, specific towards even the accuracy of where and who Jesus would be buried in a, another man's tomb. And then even the manner of death in Psalms 22, it's a prophecy, it's a picture of the death of Jesus. And it says this, my enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. The manner of death that was predicted wasn't even a form of execution when the Psalms were written, but we know that it was during the Roman occupation of Jerusalem is when Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross. What amazing uh, accuracy regarding the prophecies of Jesus. And then we have some other thoughts I would just like us to, to think about. I, I know that for some of us, we wonder about the original meaning. I mean, the Bible, it's, it's been copied over and over and over again. Well, all books of antiquity had the same process. Uh, they didn't have a paper that would last, so they had to keep uh, redoing the copies. One of the greatest treasures and one of the greatest gifts that's actually exhibited in museum, museums all over the world is about the Dead Sea Scrolls. Some of you would say, what are the Dead Sea Scrolls? Well, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered by a teenage uh, shepherd boy. He was throwing rocks in a cave and he heard it like it was breaking something. And they went in and they discovered this, that in 1947, uh, they found these scrolls. There were 880 scrolls. And on these scrolls, there were 184,540 words. Now follow me for a moment. Think about this. These scrolls, were a thousand years before the other scrolls they had already found. There was a thousand year gap between these scrolls. So they said, why don't we check out the accuracy of these two scrolls? One a thousand years earlier than the other. And you know, as they went word for word and studied these scrolls, they realized that out of all those words, the accuracy rate was 99.5%. Only seven words were in question. Five of them were misspellings, and the other two uh, did not take away from the original meaning. Now, to me, that is pretty amazing. I don't know about you, but I remember one time, I'm going to confess this, I was in seventh grade. I didn't do my homework. Yeah, and so the next day, I got to school, and I found a friend in my homeroom class who had the same class I had, and I said, hey, let me, let me copy your homework. I copied his homework turned it in, he got an A and I got a C. I couldn't even copy it right and it was, it was all the same day. I think there was something inspirational how the preservation of the Bible has been kept at such great 
great accuracy. Now, the Bible also is compared to other books of antiquity. Now, I just want you to look at the chart, and, and I'm, I'm briefly just going to talk about it, but I would hope, again, you would go to these links and study these charts because it's amazing how many people can question the reliability of the Bible. Well, I don't know if it's really true, and is it trustworthy? But when it's compared to, to other books of antiquity, they are no match for what the Bible offers. For instance, if you look at Homer and the book Iliad, it says in 500 BC, excuse me, 800 BC it was written, the earliest copies were 400 BC. Now it's important you understand that's a 400 year gap. And, and, and then we realize that there are 645 copies available. Compare that to the New Testament and you'll see this vast difference between the two. The New Testament, number one, has 24,362 copies. The time gap is only 50 to 100 years from the time the originals until they found the copies. It's overwhelming evidence that the Bible is much more reliable than any other book of antiquity. But yet we hear over and over again, people questioning the reliability, the validity of the Bible, but yet they have no problem with Homer or Plato or Caesar or Aristotle. It's interesting, maybe possibly there's a bias Maybe there's a prejudice before you've really read it. Again, I'm praying for people to have open, open hearts and open minds when it comes to the Word of God. What about the contradictions in the Bible? You know, in a moment, we're going to talk about that. We'll be right back. You know, we were talking about the possible contradictions in the Bible. Uh, did you know that the Bible actually is a historical document? So it can be tested regarding its accuracy. In fact, the Bible... There's over 24,000 archaeological discoveries that have been confirmed in the accuracy of the Bible. Nelson Gluck, a well-known archaeologist, he's quoted as saying this, as a matter of fact, it may be clearly stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a single biblical reference. Now, can you imagine that? 24,000 discoveries, all confirming the dates, the nations, the kings. Amazing accuracy. Can man possibly have written this or were they inspired by someone greater, the author of all life? Again, to me, it brings more evidence regarding the supernatural origin of the Bible. In fact, there's one very interesting one regarding the Hittites. Uh, scoffers for years would make fun of Christians regarding the Hittite nation because the Hittites had been mentioned several times in the Bible, but yet there had been no discovery of this nation actually existing. But in 1906, they discovered the Hittite nation in one of the digs. So again, confirming what the Bible had already said. And many of us have heard of Sodom and Gomorrah, and yet it had not been discovered uh, until 1965 that there was an excavation of a huge grave site where they discovered the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And more than that, they discovered that these cities were covered with six feet of ash, just like the Bible talks about that epic time. It makes me wonder, I don't know about you, but I read in 1 Peter, it means more to me now when I really look back at the scientific evidence, the messianic prophecies, the historical accuracy. Is it all coincidence? Or could this all have been inspired by a mighty, awesome God? 
First Peter says this, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. You know, if the Bible is God's inspired word, then we as believers need to really believe and trust what it says. Think about that. If these truly are the words of God, then we should take the word of God with what's much more weight and gravity in our everyday lives. Think about that. They would give us more hope and strength and guidance and faith because God gives us his word, his instructions on how to live during turbulent times. I'm, I'm reading a few scriptures that, again, bring me hope and faith and hopefully they bring it to you. Uh, Psalm says this, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, boy, are we in a shadow of death right now. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. That gives me hope and faith and comfort. And I'm thinking of another verse that the apostle Paul in Romans says, and he went through tremendous trial and persecution in his life. He says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things, all things, even the things we're going through right now, there's so many things that we don't understand. There's so many things that overwhelm us right now. But the Bible has a promise. And if it is inspired by God and he is the author, then I can have great hope that God is gonna take all things and he's gonna work them together for good to those who love God. I'm not denying the calamity and the suffering that's going on, but I'm believing that we serve a big God who's not only gonna get me through it, but he's gonna turn it into good for our lives. Another verse where Jesus is telling people, man, if you're anxious and overwhelmed and worried, come to me and I'm gonna give you rest. This is Jesus, the son of God, saying, man, if you're overwhelmed, if you're fearful, come to me and I'll give you rest. These are just a few of the scriptures that bring me hope and strength and comfort. Another one in 1 John 4, 4, he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. I have one who lives in me, his Holy Spirit, who is greater than anything that I will face in the world. I'm not alone. And that's the hope that I can have as a believer. Again, scripture tells us in 2 Timothy, and those of you that have been skeptical, and I understand your skepticism, and I understand that maybe in these next few minutes, you're not gonna be convinced, but my prayer and my hope for you is that your heart would be more open your mind would be more open to digging in and, and asking God that question. If you're real, if you're who you say you are, reveal yourself to me through this. I tell you, if you can say that and mean it, the Bible says those who seek me will find me. Those who seek the truth will find it. But in 2 Timothy, it says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You know, I wonder sometimes, is it a intellectual issue or is it a moral issue? I know for some, it might be an intellectual issue. And hopefully I gave you some uh, steps to take regarding the intellectual things that need to be answered for you. But for a lot of people, 
I don't think it's intellectual. I think it's a moral issue. Because if God's word is what it says it is, if it's God's instructions and will for us, sometimes we just don't want to hear what God is maybe saying to us through his word. In fact, in, in, in 2 Peter, it says this. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. There are people that right now that scoff what I'm saying, and they have that right. They scoff the truth. But I think part of it is tied to because they want to follow their own desires. They deliberately forget that God had made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. In 2 Timothy, it says some of the very same things. There is a time coming when people will no longer listen to and sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow, here it is again, they'll follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Basically, I want you to teach me that brings me comfort. I don't want anything or anybody or any truth interrupting my lifestyle. And it says that they will reject the truth and chase after myths. My prayer is that we'd be honest in our hearts and our minds. Is it a moral issue or is it an intellectual issue? See, what you believe really does matter. It has great implications on how you live your life and how you, uh, how you view your life and how you view your relationships and what you believe or not believe about eternity. But here's a challenge I would have for maybe those who are skeptical. If the Bible is God's inspired word, then everything Jesus said is true. He claimed to be God. He talks about heaven and hell and he talks about life. Jesus talks about the way to heaven. And again, if he is God, if these words are true, and this is God's inspired word, Jesus claimed to be God's only son. Jesus, in fact, said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, think about that. If it is God's word, the God who created heaven and earth, Jesus, who lived on this earth for 33 years, then everything Jesus said is true. And if it's true, we should really pay attention to it. Now, again, he says some other things that maybe you're not familiar with, but let me bring some encouragement. The Bible says that God so loved the world, and by the way, God loves you, that he gave his only begotten son. What did that mean? The Bible tells us that Jesus, who was God, became sin for you and I. It says, he who knew no sin became sin, that we might be made right with God. What great good news. You know, some of us, what does that really mean? You know, I guess we could take our current situation today. Think about it. And God forbid this would happen. But let's just say that you had the coronavirus and there was no hope for you to live, that you were gonna die. But then Jesus shows up and he says, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you my blood and my life and I'm gonna take on your virus so that you will live and I will die. You know, that's kind of what Jesus did. The virus though was the virus of sin that what we deserve, we didn't get, that Jesus on the cross took our sin. In fact, I look at it this way. Jesus is my vaccination against death and judgment. What great news, because the Bible says it's appointed for man once to die and then judgment. 
And I don't know, if it's true, I would be concerned about that. And I know for me, my vaccination is Jesus Christ. No, I'm far from perfect, but I've trusted in the grace and the mercy of God. I've trusted that Jesus became that substitution for me, that he took on that virus and he was the vaccine that I can use so I never have to fear death and judgment. I wanna tell you something, that is great news. And you know, I hope that some of you maybe are in that place in your life. You're going, you know what? I'm afraid of a lot of things right now. There's a lot of uncertainty in my life. And you know what, Craig? It really isn't an intellectual issue. It's always been a moral issue. I've just really struggled. I I know that I've social distanced myself from God. You need to know that is not God's plan. God wants to be close to you. He wants to be intimate with you. He wants a relationship with you. And he's just waiting for you. He's just waiting for you to ask. The Bible says he stands at the door and he knocks. If anyone opens the door, he'll come in and sup with them. And you know what? God right now offers you an amazing gift, eternal life, forgiveness, grace, mercy. He offers it to you right now. And maybe you're at that place where you're going, you know what, today, Greg, today's my day. Today's a day of salvation for me. Man, I would love you to, you'll see the text on the screen that you would text us And I'm going to pray with you in a moment, but I just want to address those that, you know, this is just a bunch of baloney, Craig. You know, I don't believe this is true. And you know what? You have that right. You choose to believe what you want to believe about the Bible or about God. And you know what? If you do, you go your own way. You live your own version of what you think is true. And when you die, you die. You go dust to dust and there's no accountability and there's no God and no heaven and no hell and no judgment if that's what you believe. And, and that is the choice you have. But I just want to say one more time, would it be worth the investigation, the effort? What if it is true? I pray that you would dig in, look at some of the evidence and allow God to speak into your life. But some of you are ready right now. I'm telling you, man, you have great value to God. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. And when you accept him, you never have to fear death. I don't want to die, but I don't fear death anymore because I know the God who conquered it. Let's pray for you, for the, maybe for the first time or for some of you, it's a recommitment of accepting Christ in your life. Come on, pray with me right now. You can just say this with me. Jesus, thank you. I don't understand it all. But I know this, you're the son of God. You're the savior of the world. I believe you are the truth. I still have questions. There's still some things I don't understand. But Jesus, right now, I just sense your presence. I sense you knocking on the door of my life. And I open that door. Jesus, I give you my life the best I know how. Jesus, I accept you as my savior. I pray that you would vaccinate me from death and judgment, cover me with your blood, which I know forgives me of my sin. Thank you for the gift of life. Give me a new start today with your help. I wanna live my life for you. I wanna start my life over, amen. You know, the Bible says, any man that be in Christ is a new creature. Old things pass away and all things become new. I believe a miracle is happening in many of your lives. God is beginning a brand new life in you. God bless you.